0: You never know when I might pop up and ask you all of the questions at once. Alright, alright. <laughs> yeah, I might cancel a Sunday service next week like just give me all of the catechism questions. No, I'm just funny. No, we can't do that. We start in Job. And I got a deadline. I got to finish this before Christmas. All right. Um so make sure that we uh I keep up to date on, on all of those things. I can't think of anything else we need to announce. My mind is still in the summertime on the beach. (laughs) But any other announcements, make sure you see um, Tanya for those things. Amen. All right. I want to jump right into Job this week. You all probably thought I was going to go over Job chapter one, but I'm not. As I told you um uh, last week i want to um not really do a sermon this week i want to review um three concepts that we talked about in the book of james and i want to review these concepts because i think it's important for us to keep these things in our minds <coughs> as we uh, start the book of job all right and um if we don't have these concepts straight in our minds, we will miss everything in the book of Job, right? Um, you remember in James chapter 5, James refers to Job. He says, you have heard of the perseverance of Job, right? Same word that, that he has repeatedly used throughout the book of James. Perseverance is the same word, endurance. And so um, I want us to look at the bu- book of Job Um, sort of as an application for our study in the book of James, right? So I want us to review three concepts, keep these in our minds. Um, Number one is faith, right? We have to keep in our minds what faith is. Number two, I want us to reflect on suffering and perseverance. And then number three, is justification. Those three things. And by my review and Bible study, I know you all have completely forgotten all three of these concepts. Alright, <laughs> so, so let us uh, start there. Right. Now I have my notes that I gave out to everyone. I'm not gonna redo all of these things, just certain things I wanna pull out because I want to make sure uh, that we keep these things in our minds. Um, I want you to turn first to Hebrews chapter 11. As I said, no real sermon today. I want us to walk through a couple things as a way of of a reminder before we start in Job chapter 1. If I were to ask you all, what is faith? I have no doubt that most of us will just quote from Hebrews 11.1. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just limited. right? So I want us to keep in mind all that we discussed concerning faith and not just a very narrow definition of what faith is. Um, now, most people think that um, when they think about faith, they think about those people who preach a prosperity message. That if you have enough faith, God is going to heal you, give you a big house, nice car, right? You'll have no troubles, no problems at all, okay? And that works (laughs) until you have to endure suffering. So I want us to broaden our understanding of faith because Job is dealing with suffering in his life. And yet, even though Job is dealing with suffering in his life, his testimony is that regardless of suffering, we can hold on to God. Okay, and so therefore, my title for this whole series in Job is Suffering by Faith. I want you to look real quick, Hebrews 11, 1. This verse that all of us would, would be able to quote and know, right? It simply says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Kay. So I think that the author of Hebrews is giving us a definition of faith. However, that definition of faith uh, is limited. Alright, because most people use this definition of faith as a way to, uh, to say that God is going to give us something that we're asking for. Not to recap this, but... Remember, as we looked throughout um, this whole chapter of Hebrews, right, there's a short section on, on those who had faith and God gave them exactly what they prayed for. And yet the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about those people who did not receive anything that they asked for. As a matter of fact, look down to the end of the chapter. Verse 36. Says, still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were cut in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. Though they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves. And all these, having obtained a good testimony, how through faith did not receive the promise. So what I want us to see is faith is not the means that we use to get stuff from God. Does God oftentimes give us what we ask for when we pray? Yes, it is true. But there are so many times that we pray, we fast, we ask God for things, and yet God seems to ignore us. How do you respond? Everyone loves the book of Job because Job suffers, and at the end, God gives Job twice as much as he had before. And so we assume that if God did it that way for Job, Right. He has to do the same thing for us. And yet that is not the point of the book of Job. Again, there were so many people, probably for every Job that got what they wanted from God. There's 10 or 20 or 30 or 100 people that this verse speaks of that they died in faith, not receiving the promise. I want you to turn <coughs> to Genesis, chapter 2. Genesis, chapter 2. Genesis, chapter 2. Beginning of the Bible. And I think that this is what is most important for us to uh, keep in mind. First, I wanted us to, to remember that Faith is not the method that we use to manipulate God to give us what we want. Okay. Um, sometimes, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you fast, I don't care if you uh, go to some churches. I, I remember going to a, a service one time, and um, uh, the pastor, <laughs> the pastor said that uh, he had recently sold his house, and he bought a new house. And he gave away all of his furniture, and he was believing that by the time because he had come to Baltimore for, for this particular revival, he was believing that by the time he got home, God was going to bless him with the money to have a whole or furnish his whole house. okay And so that set up, there was a hundred dollar line, a50 dollar line, and a20 dollar line. and you should come get your blessing. Okay. So getting a hundred dollar line, the fifty dollar line, you pick what kind of blessing you want, right? You want a hundred dollar blessing, a fifty dollar blessing, or a twenty dollar blessing. And then at the end, everybody else like me who didn't move at all, you're like, all right, now y'all can just bring the rest of y'all offering. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's not faith. That's not faith. And so what I want us to see is faith is usually discovered most in our trials. Faith is what it takes for us to wrestle with God when we're hurting so that we don't turn our backs on him. Faith is not, the second thing I want you to see and or remember is faith is not something That is essential to our relationship with God after the fall of Adam and Eve. Faith is essential to our relationship, period. Now, I want you to look in Genesis chapter 2. Adam and Eve, and sometimes people don't recognize this, Adam and Eve... Uh, Adam and Eve's relationship with God, even though um, they possibly have um, had seen God physically, or at least had some physical relationship with him, even if it was just simply hearing an audible voice uh, when he spoke to them. Even though they had that type of close, intimate, personal relationship with God, that relationship was still based on faith. Genesis chapter two. We all know this. This story. Right. Starting at. Verse. 16 and 17. God says to Adam of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. for in the day that you eat of it, you shall what surely die. Now, think about this. From the moment, Adam and Eve opened their eyes. right, All they knew was God. God spoke, and the worlds came into existence. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God could literally speak, and every single thing he commanded came true. They had no reason at all to doubt God's word. That's faith. And yet, God gives them a promise. He says, you can eat from everything, but I promise you, you disobey and eat from this tree, right? You will die. Now we know from Genesis chapter 3 that Satan comes on the scene and he tests their under Eve's understanding of God. He asked her what did God say and she was confused about what God had commanded him, her, her and Adam. And in that confusion, Satan comes out and literally accuses God of telling them a lie now when he says God is lying to you God knows that if you eat from this tree you will become just like him they were at a moment of crisis for their faith are they going to continue to believe that God who had provided all of these good things had good intentions for them Or were they going to believe the lie of the serpent and begin to doubt what God has said to them? All of this is about faith. As long as Adam and Eve trusted and believed what God said, they would remain in a state of security and safety and they would never die. And yet, Adam and Eve began to doubt. Now, remember, I gave you three things. Um, I think some people are still wrestling with this. I asked about this in Bible study the other day, and um, some people still, <laughs> um, still are, are don't believe me on this. Now, think about this. Okay, I gave us there's three components of faith, right? Okay, some people are like mm, I, I, I still don't see it. I don't, I don't think that they that they walk by faith because they could see him. Okay, so three components of faith. Remember from John chapter two, John chapter two, I believe around verse 25 says that there were some who believed in Jesus, but he would not commit himself to them because he knew what was in them. So it seems as though there are some people who had believed in Jesus and yet they were not saved, right? So uh, we talked about there needs to be three components that must be present in order for someone to say they have genuine faith. Number one, they need what? Knowledge. knowledge. <laughs> Somebody said faith. <laughs> okay, they need knowledge. Okay, you have to. Hebrews eleven six. He who comes to God must believe that He is. Okay, so you have to know that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who seek him okay so you have to know something about his existence and about his character right at, at a minimum and so adam and eve had knowledge of god they knew that he was the creator they knew that they didn't do anything to bring themselves into existence they knew that that god could speak and all of these things would happen and they would speak and nothing happened they had knowledge of god okay number 2 what's the second component assent you must believe that the information you have is true okay so it's not just having facts it is believing that those facts are true to the point that it changes how you live and number 3 the third thing trust, trust. you have to trust in a person. It's not about being a part of a religion. It is about having a relationship with a person. Now, Adam and Eve, did they have knowledge of God? Did they believe that that the information that they had about God was true? (laughs) It's not a trick question. Number three, did they have faith and trust in a person? Okay, so they they had to have all three. Okay, so prior to eating the fruit, they had all three, right? But when Satan questioned whether or not, I said it's not a trick question. (laughs) But when Satan asked, told them that God was holding back on them so that they could not be like him did they start to doubt the information that they had, right? They, Whereas they used to believe that God was good, right? He had their best interest at heart. Now they started to question whether or not God was trying to put them in a, in a, a, a one-down relationship where he always had something over them. The information that they had, did they start to doubt whether it was true? Yeah. Okay. Did they lose trust in him? Right, Because they began to trust the word of the serpent over the word of God. Right. So Adam and Eve's relationship was based on faith, just like our relationship with God is based on faith. But when doubt comes in, Right. It causes us to turn our back on him. Now, why do I I bring this up? I bring this up because this is the purpose of the book of Job. This is the purpose of the book of Job. Remember, oh, we'll see this. I told you to start reading the book of Job. Right. As we'll see in chapters one and two. This is Satan's test. God says that that Job is there is no one like him in all the earth. He's upright and he fears God and he runs from evil. Satan says Job only serves you because you keep giving him blessings. If you take everything away from Job he will curse you to your face. And so here's the test. God says, everything that he has is yours. Just don't take his life. Okay. And so Satan systematically goes about taking every single thing that Job has, even his health. Because he wants to know, is Job going to continue to trust God even though he has no evidence to support that God is still good. And, again, as I said, we're going to work this as an application piece because the question becomes the same thing for us. Satan says, does Job serve you for nothing? And the question should be asked to us, do we serve God for nothing? Do we only serve him because of his benefits and his blessings? Or when adversity comes our way, right? Do you like, Psh, I ain't got time for all of this. I was praying. I been getting my money. I've been doing stuff in church. And God still took this away from me. Right, so Don't pray. Don't come to church. Don't do anything until God blesses you again. See, that is genuine faith. Real faith. Trust God and holds on to God, even if he does not bless you. Or as Job said, even if he kills me. I will still trust in him. So James, um, this book of Job is going to challenge our understanding of faith. It's going to challenge Everything that we hear faith is in our generation, in our culture. Because most people just assume God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be blessed. And he does. But we live in a fallen world. And sometimes, as my counseling professor would say, we live in a fallen world. And oftentimes the world falls on us. And in those times is usually when we have to prove our faith because we have to wrestle with God and ask him, if you have the power to fix all of these things, why are you not doing it for me? And you see all of the other people that's getting blessed. (laughs) And you're like, why me, Lord? So as we go through Job, we're going to look at. Faith and how we are supposed to wrestle with God. One thing that we will see is um, a contradiction. I shouldn't say this. I won't get in trouble with my mother. But growing up, I was told you can't question God. It never really made sense to me. I'm like, God is over 21. He can handle my questions. (laughs) Okay, right. Um, But one thing that we will see in the book of Job is Job wasn't afraid to question God. Now, Job, he he went to the extreme. He stepped he stepped over the line, okay, when he said, uh, I know I ain't do nothing wrong, so God has to be wrong. Like, like, you might want to back up, buddy. (laughs) Like step. Step step back a little bit. Okay. Um, but it's okay to question God because sometimes in our questioning, right, it helps us to get a better understanding of who God is and what God is doing in our lives. Second thing, second concept, right? I'm just going to run through these things and and let you out, all right? Let you out early. And I'm going to keep you all, you know, I will definitely, this will only be the er, first Sunday you will get out early (laughs) as we start this Joe series, all right? So number one, I want us to keep in mind what true faith is. Remember my definition of faith, right? My, my definition that I told you of faith is, I should have it memorized, right? Since I wrote it. Faith is having a reliance upon God and his trustworthiness that immediately produces eternal life and progressively produces the same quality of trustworthiness in you. Right. That's faith. Faith is trusting God to the point of of obtaining eternal life and and God's character is then worked out in your life. That's faith. And we'll see that in the book of Job. Number two, second thing I want us to want us to see is suffering and perseverance. Turn back to James chapter one. James chapter 1. This is one of the hardest things to get Christians to accept today. At one point, I said in my mind, you know, you can't say this to, to church folk, but I said if the next person that says to me, God just wants me to be happy, I'm just gonna slap him. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just I'm just tired of hearing that. I'm, done, I'm tired of hearing. <laughs> God, yeah, God just wants me to be happy. I'm like, I mean, you got a Bible verse for that? <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> that's just not. God wants you to be happy, but God is more concerned about your holiness. Okay, and James chapter one. I believe that this is uh something that we see repeatedly um throughout um the bible and you should probably see it work out in your life as well listen to what james says about endurance perseverance trials and suffering verse two my brethren right and we wanna be egalitarian so my sister right counted all joy When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, you all will remember. I remember vividly that uh, when we started the book of James, right, um, I came in that Sunday and I said, you know what? God is so funny. And when you prepare to teach someone on something, God says, I got to test you on it first. Okay? And so uh, that week, right before coming to preach this passage, uh, Janita was was driving, backing out of the out of the garage. And Karis and wanted to get her attention. And, and she backed out and and hit the post on the deck and broke my mirror for the third time. And I'm like, man, I got to pay $900 to fix this mirror again for the third time. And I'm like, she got parked on the street. <laughs> and, and and not only that, but then my other car started acting up. And, and it's just, I mean, all hell broke loose that week. And I'm like, Lord, what? And I'm like, oh, that's right. Count it all joy. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh okay. Uh you trying to teach me something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, you are the object lesson, <laughs> okay? And so w- sometimes we wonder, why does why does life happen that way? Right? It, it 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 seems as though when I have $5 left in the bank after paying all my b- bills, something else breaks. It it life just works out that way. The air conditioning break. It's the middle of the <laughs> middle of the summer. <laughs> okay, the air the air conditioner just completely breaks, right? And I ain't got no money to fix it. Okay. okay. Something always happens when you are the least prepared. And and we wonder, we ask these questions. Why, God? Why do you allow these things to happen to me? And what James is trying to teach us here and throughout all of the chapters that we looked at in James, right? is that all of these things happen in our lives so that God could deal with our character. That's it. It's a test. He says when you go through these trials, remember the word trial here, Parasmas is talking about a test, a trial. It talked about pharmaceutical trials where you give patients drugs, right, in order to test and see how this is going to work out. That's all God is doing with you. God knows what each one of us needs. He knows how to grow each one of us up. So for some reason, God knows I have road rage, but he sends that person to cut me off every single Sunday when I'm on my way to church. And he's like, you better respond properly because you got (laughs) to preach. Sometimes I want to fail the test. God knows your shortcomings. He knows your limitations. He knows that we all grew up in households with sinners who raised us. And so we did not get all we need emotionally, all we need, (laughs) right? We didn't get all we need physically, we didn't get everything we need, you know, mentally, socially. Some of us are 60 years old, but we're only teenagers emotionally. We see kids go through the line at the supermarket, and you're like, ah, I want this, ah, put that back, ah, ah, ah. You're like, man, that couldn't be my child. And then we grow up, and we come to church, and someone sits in my seat. Why are they sitting in my seat? I ain't coming back until they to get out my chair. Okay. And you' like you don't see the co- you don't see the connection <laughs> the, 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 the connection right <laughs> Some of us we we most all of us we can't see it, but God sees it. and God is not really interested in your happiness. God has one goal: His goal is to conform you to the image of his son. He wants you to look like Jesus. Jesus was able to have people punch him in the face, spit on him, and the first thing he said was, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing." Now I'm letting you know I'm not at that point yet. <laughs> I'm not there. He's still, he's still working on. He's still working on me with that. That's why I take jujitsu. But you know, <laughs> but I, he, he's still working on me. I'm not. I'm not at that point. You know, with, it, with the turn the other cheek part. I, I, have, I haven't grown that to that place yet. But he's working on me. James says, when you go through trials, God has something in mind, right? That's why we don't all go through the same trial, right? God has specific things tailored for each one of us. When we go through trials, he says, count it all joy, You should see it as a joyous occasion because God is trying to work something out in your life. He says, count it joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces patience. This word patience simply is uh, uh, the Greek word can be mean patience, endurance, perseverance. It's all all, it's all the same um, same idea. God is trying to get you to stop running. Period. We run all the time. They get on your nerves at work. You switch jobs. They get on your nerves at church. You go to a new church. Your wife, on you know, on your nerves at home, you go get a new wife. Okay? <laughs> okay. Right? We're always running. <laughs> James is saying God is God is trying to teach you how to persevere, how to endure so that you don't fall apart every single time something happens to you. But in order for him to do that, he has to test your faith. Cuz remember faith is trusting in God to the point that his character gets worked out in your life. So he has to test your faith so that he can produce his character in you. Now, everyone knows this. We don't like it. But how many people still pray for patience? anybody you All right. Y'all slow. <laughs> y'all, <just laughs> you on the on the short yellow bus. I don't pray for patience. I don't pray for patience. I do not pray for patience. I used to, God, I just I need patience. You know, people people get on my nerves too easily. Just help me to stop and just you know just be patient. And I'm like, nah, I don't pray that no more. I don't ask God for stuff like that. I don't, I'm not trying to tempt you, you know, 'cause 'cause it seemed like every single time I pray for patience, that person right, and we all have that person, right, that person comes along, and they do something, and then I, Lord, now I got to repent, <laughs> I got to repent for failing, right, <laughs> okay, so I don't pray for patience no more, Lord, if you, if you want me to be patient, that's your choice, I'm not asking for it, okay, because he always, it never fails, you pray for patience, he always sends someone to get on your nerves, and you keep, I keep praying for patience. All these people keep getting on my nerves. I'm like, you're missing the point. <laughs> right? The only way to be patient is to be tested and you endure. So when they so when they come and say something to you, you be like, you don't stop. With, who do you think you look? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I be that. I take that. Right, and, and and as you learn to keep your mouth closed, right, you recognize, wow, I, I have a, whole, I got a lot more patience, <laughs> but you have to be tested. You have to be tested. Now, James says here when he says that you have to be tested. The problem is that we think that just going through the test itself is enough, and that's not true. You remember I gave you the exact illustration of um, I I I went to the uh, to Planet Fitness and I bought this <laughs> membership, okay, and and so I would w- I would go into the gym and you know I would see everybody else exercising and workout. out and I would go get on the machine and you know p- push a little leg, waist a little bit and you know. Ch- and then I just stand around and talk to everybody else, okay. Um, and then I came out wondering, like, well, why I don't look like Seth? <laughs> 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 it, <laughs> it's it's because I was in the gym, but I didn't let the gym do its work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. And so I was just like everybody else. I was just paying for a membership I wasn't using. <laughs> That's how trials are. God God keeps sending these tests. Why does this keep happening to me? It seems like every year the same circumstances come. (laughs) When is the light bulb going to go off? The, the, The same circumstances and trials and situations repeat themselves in our lives because God is trying to get us to change and God doesn't believe that 16 above is passing. <laughs> okay. These same trials come as James says, you have to let patience have its perfect work. You have to let the trial do what it's supposed to do. You have to cooperate with the trial. Because if you don't God is going to send the same test over and over again until you pass it. And God is not, he doesn't, it's not like Baltimore City Schools. You, know, like you fail one time and then they can't fail you the rest of your career. You're like, <laughs> God doesn't believe in that. <laughs> okay. okay, so God's point though, as James goes on to say, that when we pass the test, we become perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That's God's goal. Whenever God sends you trials or suffering in your life, his goal is for you to become perfect, right? The old English word for mature, complete, meaning you're you, you whole, you're at peace, right? You're not wavering back and forth internally, lacking nothing. He wants you to have everything you need. That's why every single trial is good for you. Don't run from the adversities in your life. Learn how to embrace them. And when you embrace them, then you will find God's will for your life. Now, how does this apply to Job, right? Um, it applies to Job because the whole book is about Job's suffering, right? And... um. We think that the book of Job is to tell us why Job suffered and why we suffer. But if you read the book of Job, you are not going to find an answer for why Job suffered. There is no answer in the book. None at all. Job, at the end, he tells his friends, I want to question God. I want to see God. And God is going to answer me. I want to put him on trial and ask him, why is he letting these things happen to me? And we get the famous, famous verse. And if he kills me, right, because God's going to answer my question. Now, he might kill me. <laughs> OK, but I'm still trust in him. And so God appears. And God is not interested in answering Job's questions because God doesn't owe us any answers. God, why did you let me go through this? Where were you when I created this world? You you don't have <laughs> you don't have the right to ask me questions. I'm working in your life to perfect you. I don't answer your questions. So let's now look at Job's, the book of Job to find answers for why we suffer. Let's look through the book of Job to find two things. Number one, how Job suffered and yet he endured or persevered in his faith. And number two, let's learn how to trust God's wisdom for what he's doing in our lives. Third and last thing. First, I wanted us to remember what we talked about for uh, faith. Second, what we talked about for suffering and perseverance, and again, all of the um, you can see Tony to get the the whole uh, sermons, um, messages on on this, or you, you know you can go on our um, YouTube page for <coughs> most of them are are on there. The the third thing I want us to think about with the book of Job, all three of these concepts are important for us to, to keep in our minds as we look through the book of Job. The last one is justification. Right. Now, you all remember, um, I started off by telling you all that I am the greatest basketball player since Michael Jordan. Okay. And of course, all of you believe me. Now, the question is, has anyone ever seen me play basketball? Janita has never seen me play basketball. Kaylin Kirst has never seen me play basketball. I don't think anybody in this room has ever seen me play basketball. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> because in high school, when they would make us uh, uh, shoot free throws, and they were like, my arm must be crooked. I'm like, it's just. Okay, <laughs> right hit the, hitting the backboard it's going over the backboard right it's bouncing off the rim and so quite naturally whenever they uh are, are picking teams I'm like almost the last person to get picked right but I can tell you all all day I'm the greatest player to play since Michael Jordan right and and when you all don't believe me I'm gonna get offended what, what do you mean what what do you mean I'm not the greatest player? I'm like, well, eventually someone's going to have to say, you got to put up or shut up. Right? You, you have to prove what you say is true. Okay. and So we talked about justification. This is what justification in a sense is. There are three ways the Bible speaks of justification. I'm not going to ask you all what those three ways are. I'm going to give them to you. Number one. Justification, right? Remember, when we talk about justification, we're talking about salvation, what God does for us in salvation. Number one, um, the Bible speaks of justification in a legal way, right? God declares you to be righteous. Even though you are a sinner, God says, because he has united you to his son, you are now as righteous as my son. Now. God declares us to be righteous. Do we still sin and fall? Yes. Okay. So are we still righteous even though we sin every day? Yes. I'm right, ask the question again. Are we still righteous even though we sin every single day? Yes. Why? Because God says we are. Right. So it's, it's a legal status. Number two. The second thing that the Bible says about uh, justification is, is it talks about it in a demonstrative way. Right. So we can demonstrate that we are righteous. Okay, so think about Abraham. Genesis chapter 22. God says, Abraham, I want you to go kill your son. Go kill your son, sacrifice your son and Abraham. Doesn't question God. He immediately gets up. He goes out to Mount Moriah and he begins to sacrifice his son. And then the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, stop, don't do it. You don't need to, because now I know that you fear God. Okay. So God had declared Abraham righteous in Genesis chapter 15, but Abraham had to prove what God said about him was true, right? And he did that by b- by going to sacrifice his son, even though God was never going to let him do it. Okay? He proved that everything is on the table. There is nothing that I possess that I will hold back from you. Okay? He demonstrated his righteousness, which is important in the book of in the book of James, right? Because there's so many people who say, I'm a Christian. Well, where's your evidence? I don't need evidence. I have faith. James says that's not good enough. Remember, there's three components to faith. Knowledge, number one. Two, assent. Assent is you believe that the facts are true to the point of changing your life. If you say you believe something But it does not change your character or change how you act or respond. You don't believe that. You have information, but it's not a belief because beliefs change who you are. And I'll prove it to you. Anybody believe that they can fly? Anybody? Anybody believe? If you believe that you could fly, would you jump off a building? You would. If you believed it. If you knew if you knew you were Superman, okay, you you would just jump off the building. The reason that you don't do that is because you don't believe that. Right? When we were little kids, we were like, I can fly, I can fly. Jump off this building. There ain't nobody ever jumped off no building to prove that they could fly. Okay. It's just my imagination. Okay. Beliefs change who you are. Right, we possess information all the time. Why do pe- some people see other people walking down the street in Baltimore, and then you go try it too? <laughs> you know why? Because you know drugs will destroy your life, but you don't believe it will happen to you. Oh no, that that's dumb. They just couldn't control themselves. I I I got this. I can control this. You know what drugs will do. You don't believe that it will happen to you because beliefs affect what you do. You got me. So if you say you have a relationship with God, right? Jan- John chapter first, John chapter one. If you say You have a relationship with God, but you continue to live in sin. You are a liar. And you don't know him. The truth is not in you. Faith and belief must change what you do. And the same thing is true when it comes to faith and suffering. Now, Job, <coughs> oh, let me get a third, third uh, thing for justification, then I'll, I'll make the application of Job. The third uh, type of justification is what happens to us on the day of judgment. Paul says that we all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay. Each one of us w- is going to answer for the things that we have done in our bodies. Those people who have put their trust in Christ have nothing to worry, because on the day of judgment, God is going to say, justified, not guilty. Okay. So God declares you to be righteous the day you put your trust in Christ. You, throughout your life, are going to prove what God says is true by allowing him to develop his character in your life. And on the day of judgment, when you meet him, he's going to officially declare you not guilty. Okay. Now, which one of these three is the book of Job about? I believe that the book of Job is primarily about the second one, right? It's about demonstrating righteousness, it is about demonstrating God's righteousness and Job's righteousness. Because in chapter one and two, Satan first attacks God. God says, Job is righteous. Right. He makes a declaration. Right. About Job. Job is righteous. Satan is like, you don't know what you're talking about. The only reason he serves you is because you keep blessing him. Take those blessings away and Job is going to curse you to your face. So in a sense, the book of Job is not about Job at all. The whole book is about God. Does God know what he's talking about? Concerning the people that live in his world. Is Job going to fail and prove God wrong? Or is he going to succeed and prove God right? Number two, it is about Job's justification. Is Job the righteous person God says he is? Is he going to demonstrate in his life that He doesn't care about his blessings. He's going to serve God simply because he is God. And both of those are answered in the affirmative throughout the book of Job. And again, we will make applications for ourselves to see if that's true of us as well. But we have to keep these things in our mind. You, You have to keep these three concepts in your mind. If you lose sight of this you, or you don't hold these uh, uh, these things in tension, you're going to get lost in the book of Job. Okay. Now, two things um, that we will um, look at next week and um, and then we will go full force in the book of Job. Um, we have to talk about providence and sovereignty. Okay. Um, and so, again, we have to look at um, we'll see this. This is what. We see completely in chapters one and two. Providence and sovereignty. Right. I'll give you definition uh, for um, for those things um, (coughs) uh, next week. We have to ask answer this question. When things go wrong in the world, whose fault is it? I think last night I saw that the death toll for Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas is at up to like forty five, I think. Right. And so some of uh, I have a friend of mine who is an atheist. It seems like every single time some event like this happens, he was like, oh, oh, he's like, why would? If God is so powerful, God, why would God allow that? And so what we do is we'll say, oh, it's not God's fault. You know, it's just the weather. And so what we try to do is rescue God. And so we we don't want we don't want people to blame God for calamities that happen in the world. Um, You don't you, you will not get off easy like that in the book of Job. We can make references even to some of the minor prophets. God says, if calamity happens in the city, have not I, the Lord, done it? Every hurricane that kills people. Don't rescue God from that. God could have stopped it. But he did not. And so ultimately. All of your pain. All of your suffering. All of the calamity in the world. it, It has to be laid at his feet. And so we have to address. Providence. And sovereignty. How do we. Trust God, knowing that God gives the thumbs up on all of the pain and suffering in the world. That's what we'll look at next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for allowing us to come and to refresh our memories on all of these things. I pray, Lord, that as we go through the book of Job, that you would allow the same thing to happen to us that happened to Job at the end of the book. I pray that you will help us to, as we wrestle with you, help us to come to a greater knowledge and understanding of who you are. Help us to see that you have the power to stop all of these things, but for some reason in your wisdom, you allow them to take place and you say that you do it for our good, which is hard for us to recognize and understand. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to wrestle with you. That's why it's so important for us to understand what true faith is. Help us to wrestle with you in these things, knowing that you do have a great plan. And that when we meet you, when we see you face to face, it will all make sense. But in this time. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to wrestle in faith. Or as the title for the book of Job, this series is help us to suffer by faith. Help us to know that even in our suffering, you have a plan. You are trying to develop our character and make us more like Christ. And I pray, Lord, that. As we look at the life of Job and we see how he wrestled with you, I pray that you will help us to to develop that same type of faith. That even when we're hurting, we will not turn our backs on you. I pray that you will continue to work out your plan for our lives as you have promised in Philippians 1. You will continue to work on us until you come for us. We thank you now for all these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Introduction is over. You all at the beginning of every series, you all.